Sego and welcome to Resistance Radio. I'm John Kane. Hey, I gotta say, I'm not sure if we're gonna have Regan uh, joining us or not. Um, I guess we'll we'll <laughs> let the show play out, and uh, hopefully, she will join us. Um, but before I get started again, let me remind people that we are listener-supported radio. We are on WBAI in New York City and WPFW in Washington D.C. Uh, this, the topic that I'm going to talk about today is, while it's more specific to New York, the state, um, it, it does have some national significance, and uh, as, as I get into it, you'll, you'll understand why. Um, but I do want to remind people, we are listener support radio, and we do need your support. So if you're listening in New York City, I ask that you go to 212-209-2950. That's the pledge line. Make the call. Uh, make a donation to the station of any size. Become a WBAI buddy. Do what you can when you can, and we greatly appreciate it. If you're in, New in uh, Washington, D.C., I ask that you go to 202 9739 That's their number to call, and there you can make a uh, pledge of any size as well. Look, if you want to do it online for WBAI, you can go to give2wbai.org. Uh, follow the prompts. If you're in Washington, D.C. and you want to support them via uh, the Internet, you can go to wpfwfm.org and uh, follow those prompts as well. Uh, I realize that we are in New York City, we're in Washington, D.C., but we're also everywhere because you can listen to this, this show. streams live uh, via the Internet, um, and then it's stored in its archives. I also post the shows up as a podcast, so you can look for a podcast uh, or go to any of the podcast platforms and look for Resistance Radio with John and Regan, and you'll, uh, you'll find, uh, find the programs there. Um, and, you know, have at it. Check out some of the old shows. You, you, you'd be surprised what you might have missed. Um, all right, let me, let me get into it. So many of you know that I have been, um, one, among the things that I try to fight for, it's, it, I do fight against the use of native mascots, predominantly by non-native populations who decide that they, they think their children should be able to call themselves Indians and play as warriors, redskins, savages, braves, raiders, whatever, they, whatever the, the, their flavor of, uh, of representation of, uh, of a native image is. <clears throat> so I've been taking this on for, for many years um, in not only in New York State, but through, throughout. I've been down to Maryland. <laughs> I, I've been, uh, made the trip. Um, I have you know, fought alongside the folks fighting uh, against the use of native mascots in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Massachusetts, in Vermont, in Wisconsin, in Illinois, out on the West Coast. So this is something that I have done quite a bit of over the years. Um, as many of you know, I... Um, put my old high school in my crosshairs because they haven't hadn't changed theirs. I graduated back in 1978. Yeah, I know, a long time ago, um, uh, at a school in upstate New York called Cambridge, Cambridge Central School, and they had been calling themselves the Indians since I don't know the 1950s or 60s or something like that. Um, so I I decided that. If they weren't going to do it themselves, I was going to force the issue. So a year ago, uh, it was actually a year ago in November, I went out to Cambridge and I spoke at a school board meeting and I asked them to begin the process to remove the, uh, the mascot. Um, they hadn't really put me on the agenda, so I came back in December, which would be a year ago this week, and um, 
and I, and I had a more thorough um, statement that I read and handed to them, and I uh, cited all the all the reasons. I cited cited some historical data, but I also cited many of the the resources and and you know some of the the professional organizations that. Um, that have already concluded that this is damaging to children, not just Native children either, non-Native children as well. Um, they pushed this, this decision-making. They said they would look at it, and they said they would begin the process of evaluating, uh, and this was the commitment they, they made formally in, uh, um, in December. The plan was that they were going to um, receive emails, information, you know, do their own research, uh, and then make a decision in February, and they balked. They, did, they didn't do it. They, uh, by the time February rolled around, they knew that they, there was a, a growing, growing hostile environment in their own local town because it is an upstate town, very Trumpish, um, very right-wing, very uh, rural. Um, not exclusively, but, but, but quite a bit so. Now, I also have to remind people that, that Cambridge is like 95% white. 98, 99% non-native. There's, there's only a few native people there. And the ones who were there, I know them. I mean, I, I grew up with some of those guys, so uh, which made the, the whole thing interesting. So after they dragged this thing on past February and then tried to do some, hire a, uh, a mediation firm that was going to help do some healing circles and that kind of stuff, which didn't really work out at all, this thing continued to get pushed out. In fact, it got pushed out so far that a, a board election would take place before uh, a decision would be made. So a board election happened. Two candidates ran specifically and solely on the idea of saving their mascot. And they, they, were, they were supported pretty, you know, pretty convincingly in, in their town. So before they were seated, before all of them were seated, they did vote to retire the mascot. The next month, when the, all the new board members were seated, the uh, balance of power shifted. They took out the, uh, the former president of the board and put in a, a, the one person on the board who all along was staunchly opposed to changing the mascot. And they, they put her in there. And, of course, they had also had uh, some new board members on there uh, to do that. And then they rescinded the retirement uh, resolution. And they thought they were done. Well, the problem is what they did was wrong. And a couple of families, a few families, decided they were going to petition the New York State Department of Education for what they call a 310 petition and petition them to, to void that last resolution on the grounds that it was not done uh, properly, that they, they didn't review any data, they made an arbitrary and capricious decision, and what they were doing essentially made the learning environment bad for children. Uh, and, and again, not that they hadn't had the, that environment for all these years, but by, by trying to overturn the, the resolution, or by overturning the resolution, they essentially um, were harming um, not just their children. They were actually harming the whole town's re reputation. I mean, they, it, it became a bit of a national story. So when these, this family, or these families, I should say, petitioned the, the commissioner of education, 
uh, Dr. Betty Rosa, the commissioner, um, did provide them with preliminary relief. In other words, she issued a stay, and that stay was um, was a stay against the the resolution rescinding the retirement resolution. So essentially, she wiped out the uh, the reinstatement resolution and ordered them to begin the process of taking down. Uh, their, their native mascots, their Indians mascots. Um, they, the, the school did not necessarily comply. Uh, she had to reach out to them a couple of times and, and one time was pretty, uh, pretty stern in her warning that violating her order could lead to not only the removal of officers or uh, administrators, but it also could, uh, uh, could cause a withholding of funding. So. She pulled out a pretty big stick when they, when they decided to try to ignore her, her order. Now, this was all a preliminary order, and this was issued back in August. Um, so we've all been waiting for the final ruling. Now, there were some suggestions that you know, these final rulings could take years. We had, had some indication that she would rule by the end of the year. Now, I kept pressing, look, the whole special month thing, November, <laughs> Native American Heritage Month. I said, you know, this is the month she, make, she should make the ruling. I kept saying, they sh she should make, make the ruling. Well, on Monday, one of the very last days of November, is when her final ruling came out. And her ruling was clear. It was decisive, um, irrefutable. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a pretty stern rebuke of the uh, current Board of Education of, the, of Cambridge Central School. Now, she did rule that Considering they had spent months, six, eight months, um, going through information, uh, looking at the reports, not only the stuff from, from community members, uh, stuff from folks like myself, it was a constant flow of emails. Every time I saw another school change its, uh, drop its mascot, every time a new report came out, I sent it along, I sent it along. And I wasn't the only one doing this. You know, look, when I went out first went out to Cambridge, I figured I was taking this on myself, all by myself. I had no idea what kind of support I would have in that town, even though I still have friends there. But again, the native friends that I have, live, I knew what, what side of the, of the issue they were on. But regardless, I went out there because my feeling was they only had five school board members. I only had to convince three of them to look at all the information and do making a, a decision based on evidence, based on research, not based on opinion or the love affair with your Cambridge Indians t-shirt or, or whatever else, none of that stuff. Not based on nostalgia, you know, or their intent, you know, their, their claimed intent to honor Native, not any of that. Based on the facts, based on what the American Psychological Association had put out, based on what, you know, every Native organization across the country, based on what the Oneidas, the Mohawks, the Onondagas, based on everybody, the, the Mohicans, everybody who would even be, be remotely associated with the area as far as indigenous populations, all weighed in. And I figured if they, if they looked at the data, they, they could actually rule that they had to get rid of the mascot and tell the public, look, we don't have a choice. The, uh, the evidence is clear. See, that, so that was my strategy. My strategy was just go out there, inundate them with the facts, and you know, look, I even went out there and said, look, I was never beat up over it. I was never abused because of the mascot. Yeah, yeah, being the only native person in the school at the time, you know, I, I had my share of being called chief or wapu or 
Pocahontas when somebody wanted to be a smart ass. But that was because it was all white people and I was a native person. It had nothing to do with the mascot specifically. But what happens is the mascot promotes the stereotype and that encourages that kind of behavior. But, but regardless, I said, this isn't about my personal opinion about my experience. I thought the school was fine. I, I had a great, uh, a great time going to the school. Even though I was the only, you know, my family was the only Native family there. My sister and I were probably the first two Native kids to graduate from a school calling themselves the Cambridge Indians. And, you know, and you know, there's, there's been some others that have got, graduated since, but, but we were probably the first two. Because this was a really, really white town. So, I, again, I, I expected to take this on by myself. Because I think I, I thought I only had to convince three people. Well, it turns out four of the board members were pretty receptive to changing it. But as they dragged this thing on and, and the pressure mounted, one of the board members resigned because she was getting, you know, hostile treatment from the community. So she resigned. So now you had a, a, a five-member board went down to a four-member, but you still had three members who were pretty much agreeing that they had to get rid of this thing. And one who was staunchly in, in favor of, of keeping it. But the three who, were, who wanted to, to remove it, and, you know, and even the superintendent claimed that he wanted it removed, that he wanted to address this issue and put it to rest. He, he was you know, big on the diversity, equity, and inclusion program and, 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 and all this other stuff. Um, but they kept dancing around the issue, thinking that somehow they could gain popular support. That was never going to happen in a town like Cambridge. I mean... In December, I mean, today, there's still Trump flags flying around Cambridge, New York. And, and of course, there's still a whole lot of Cambridge Indian. Uh, they actually produce these signs, and they put lawn signs out. In fact, there's a big billboard as you, drive, as you enter the, the village, you know, just before the outskirts of the village, a big, you know, full-size, um, you know, billboard. Protect the pride, and, you know, we are the Indians, and all this other crap. Um, but they weren't going to convince those people. I knew that, but they kept dragging it out. So, again, they dragged it out past um, a board election, which changed the, um, the makeup of the board. Two people, one of them who has Native ancestry, who was hell-bent on remaining, essentially, himself being their mascot. He was their token, you know, Indian for, you know, the Native guy supporting the mascot issue. Even though the nations, both the nations that he claims affiliation with, both came out against it, but he got he got like he actually got the most votes, and and he's not exactly board material, and I, I won't get into, you know, judging his, you know, his education or qualifications or other stuff, but but this is not exactly what he was he was built for. <laughs> um, so then when the new board comes in, they uh, they rescind the, the, the resolution to um, retire. And, and that resolution to retire, it was thorough. It was thoughtful. The, the, the board president at the time um, gave a whole list of all the stuff that they had considered, you know, the, all the organizations, psychological associations, the, the native organizations, um, you, know, you know, child development folks. He gave a whole list of, of all of the reasons. He, he cited the fact that that it was inconsistent with their diversity, equity, and inclusion program. He, he cited all of this stuff, and they voted. And at, by that time, one of the elected, in fact, the, the, the guy who was Native Ancestry, 
got seated to fill the, the vacancy that was uh, when the one board member quit. So they did have five members, uh, five members at the time that they held this vote. And they, retire, they voted to retire the mascot three to two. Well, almost the next week, <laughs> the, uh, the, the second newly elected board member got seated. And the, one, of the, one of the three people who voted uh, to retire the mascot, um, her term ended. So now they had a 3-2 majority going the other way. And they immediately, without any explanation other than citing this ridiculous organization called the Native American Guardians Association, um, and claiming that the election of their two board members was tantamount to a, um, a referendum on the mascot. And look, they can make that argument, but... To be clear, it was not a referendum on the mascot. It was a board election. And so citing the only two things they could cite was that the, the pop, the, the, you know, the, the community members supported the mascot. And they had this one organization who is, and I'm skeptical at best, um, who claims to be a native organization. And let me, let me just stop for a second here, because I, I just read something yesterday, as a matter of fact, or today. This, this organization, this Native American Guardians Association, NAGA, put together this whole thing to refute the role of scalps and bounties in the United States. In fact, this organization claims to be Native, but they, they essentially made the case to justify the issuance of paid bounties in Minnesota. They did it by, by saying, well, look, the, the, the Sioux... Um, had killed, you know, up to a thousand white people, and so out of a lack of, you know, any other recourse, they issued this uh, this bounty. But it only existed for a short while, and there were made only sixteen bounties paid. Now, there's no way they know that information, but they tried to justify the idea of paying bounties on the Lakota um, because they in, they were claiming that the Lakota had had killed, you know up to a thousand innocent white people. So, and this is a native group. So this is the native group. And then they went on to try to justify the word redskin. You know, because most of us know that among the etymologies of the word is the fact that our skins were paid for, or bounties were paid for our skins. Going back to King George, not just the United States, but the New, in, in New England, in the, you know, the, the Upper Plains, the West Coast, in California, the Gold Rush, there were, there were there were multiple times throughout U.S. history that bounties were issued for native skins, red skins, bloody pelts of native people. Now, we could argue whether it's the, it's the sole etymology of the word, but clearly it is among the etymology. And, and they, they're always trying to refute it. Why? Because this organization got its start by defending the Washington football team. Yep, so you folks in Washington, this group got, and it got its start by being funded by Dan Snyder, frankly. Um, and so their first and foremost commitment was to justify or to try to refute that Redskins was even a slur. They said, look, it was never a slur. It only now does the dictionary say that it is, uh, has a derogatory meaning. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as calling somebody a black skin you know, or, or the N-word. It's, it's essentially tantamount to the N-word. In fact, I oftentimes refer to it as the R-word rather than, than saying it. Unfortunately, whether you say the N-word or the R-word, you're making everybody think it's the, the actual word, so it's 
kind of a difficult choice to make anyway. So anyway, th th this group, Naga, is the, it was essentially the only thing that this new board, with their new 3-2 majority uh, in favor of keeping the mascot, cited as a reason to, to reverse um, the, the, the previous resolution. Now, the problem is, is that's not quite legal. <laughs> and when this, these families in Cambridge petitioned the Department of Education, they cited the fact that they use no reasonable explanation um, for reversing the decision, which, which feeds a responsibility that the commissioner of education has, which is, it's her job <clears throat> to review if a board of education acts arbitrarily and capriciously. And when she saw the thoughtfulness that went into the resolution to retire the mascot, and then the absence of any rationale to unretire it, she said she didn't have a choice. There was, there was no question that the current board made an arbitrary decision. And then she cited other examples, one where um, you know, there was a merger of, 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 of a couple of schools that after an election, um, even though they had spent better part of a year planning this merger, um, a couple of board members got, got elected and, uh, and they canceled it. And, and not this board, uh, not this commissioner, but a previous commissioner said, no, that was an ar arbitrary decision. You didn't give any rationale for why you would re reverse the resolution. And she cited another example about a, um, a sixth grade class being moved into a middle school that, uh, that was, again, thoughtfully uh, you know, looked at and researched. And then after a, a board election, they reversed it. And she said, no, you didn't offer any explanation, even though all the research was out there. And not she, but the, a previous commissioner. But the first thing she did was she cited, and, and I've talked about this before, she cited um, a 2001 memorandum that came from the uh, commissioner of education at that time, uh, a guy by the name of Richard Mills. He had issued this memorandum in which he uh, asked the boards of education to end the use of Native American mascots as soon as practical. Now, he asked. He didn't mandate it. In fact, he, to some extent, he, he, he clearly stopped short of a mandate. And part of it was that he said, while the role for local discretion existed, it was important that they, that they realized that there is a state interest in, in, in schools operating a safe, uh, safe environment for kids. So 20 years ago, he told them to um, end the use of Native American mascots uh, as soon as practical. Now, many schools did. I mean, uh, that was probably, you know, the, during that time right after 2001 was probably, you know, for the first time we saw the largest exodus or the largest um, uh, number of schools retire the mascots until fairly recently. Now, so what, what, was, what were the, the factors that contributed to it fairly recently? Well, it always came up, especially as the Washington football team was, was in the news. I mean, they, they almost had their trademark revoked. Um, there have been Native people showing up at Washington football games wherever they played, protesting the racial slur. There was an, uh, you know, a, a very public battle play, uh, playing out with 
Dan Snyder saying, no, he's never going to change the names, and you can print that in capitals. Um, you know, there were also people who were, were pushing back against the Cleveland baseball team and, and, and the other uh, sports teams, the, the, the Chicago hockey team, the Atlanta baseball team, the Kansas City football team. Yeah, so there were, there were other places that the, these issues were fighting, but no place more than Washington and Cleveland. And so what happened recently? Well, a couple of years ago, the Washington football team canceled uh, its, its name. They ended their name. Now, now, why did they do that? I mean, the owner clearly had no interest in changing it. That's Again, that's part of the reason, I've, uh, for those of you watching on Facebook, I've got my Donald Trump Arians um, T-shirt on because most of this ends up being a very racist um, issue where the right, the same ones who were screaming about critical race theory and, uh, and don't want expanded voting rights and... <laughs> You know, these are the same ones who are, who are against changing mascots. They think that it's all cancel culture. And, you know, and, and of course, in any town that's got a um, um, Trump flag flying um, and a native mascot, you know that there's a connection between the two. So anyway, that's why I got my Donald Trump uh, uh, Arians T-shirt on. Um, you know, because I figure, look, Arians isn't a bad word, right? It's not insulting anybody. If white people want to use a symbol to represent who they are, I figure, well, Arians is a good, good name. It, 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 it actually suggests superiority, which is what you want for your football team. Well, anyway, enough, enough about my T-shirt. <laughs> but so anyway, this, uh, this, this commissioner cites the, um, the memorandum from 20 years ago. Now, I got to say, the New York State Department of Education has been very silent on this issue for the last 20 years. And while I am really pleased that Commissioner Betty Rosa not only issued the, the preliminary uh, stay, which would stop, which stopped them from um, bringing back the mascot, but I'm, but I'm equally pleased that she, that she issued her final ruling and did not drag this out again for, for months or years or any more months or years. And it is kind of interesting because, you know, I was one of the ones calling for her to make the ruling during um, our special month. <laughs> it's, it's actually the only positive thing that happened as far as uh, Native people goes. But, uh, but interesting, <laughs> interesting that she, she chose the final days of National Native American Heritage Month to make her ruling. But I was glad to see her ruling. But I got to tell you, I, I actually submitted a brief. It wasn't, it wasn't accepted. I mean, you have to apply to submit a, an amicus brief. It wasn't accepted because she basically said my brief was more of an affidavit than, um, than uh, a memorandum of law. Plus, she also said amicus briefs are usually, the grounds for accepting one has to be that I make the argument that the petitioners couldn't make the argument without me. And, and I never said that. And in fact, I, I would never have suggested that. I thought the petitioners, their, their work was fine. I thought they did a great job. And um, while I thought I might be adding um, something that hadn't been considered, uh, I certainly wasn't citing laws that the, uh, that the commissioner was not aware of. So I, I, I get it. But the fact of the matter is she did have to read it. And so whether it had any influence or not, who knows. But uh, at least I, I got to um, uh, uh, make my case whether she actually um, included it in her ruling or not. It's mentioned in the ruling, the fact that she didn't, <laughs> didn't accept my brief. But, uh, 
Um, but yeah, th so this thing, this thing, you know, has played out um, in, a, in a very positive way. But um, it, the thing that I submitted in in my brief that I've got to say is that I asked that she do more than concentrate on Cambridge. You know, I, and I, I have no grounds to ask and make this ask, but uh, but uh, but I told her that that. She needs to. She needs to do say something to reaffirm what what Mills had asked for twenty years ago. And understanding that that twenty years had passed for these boards to show enough discretion in how they got rid of the mascots. He didn't say they they could keep it. He said he asked them to remove them, and to do it as soon as possible. And twenty years was plenty of time to do it. In. And like I said, many schools have gotten rid of it. Um, but many schools dug in. But after Washington and Cleveland dumped their mascots, that those two flagship um, sports franchises no longer were there for these high schools to cite. They couldn't, you know, Cambridge calls themselves the Indians. Well, what grounds do they have to stand up when the baseball team, a professional with, with money involved, with, with branding, millions of dollars worth of branding and merchandise out there associated with, the, with those names? If they could get rid of it, then certainly schools, schools needed to reevaluate re it. And since Washington and Cleveland dumped their names, many more schools have uh, retired the mascots. And, of course, why did they do it? Well, I'll tell you why they did it. This all came in the wake of uh, the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and others, this call for social justice, the rise of Black Lives Matter, I've mentioned it before. While Black Lives Matter and, and, the, uh, and the support for these racial injustices were, were out there and causing Confederate statues to come down, Columbus statues came down too. By the way, Cambridge, New York, they still celebrated Columbus Day this past year in spite of their, their claim to want to honor Native people. They didn't, they didn't switch it over to Indigenous Peoples Day. Of course not, right? So, um, but yeah, so we... Native people, in much of what the things that we were fighting for, like against mascots and, and you know, against Columbus Day, we became the beneficiary of some of this movement that came out of the call for social justice. And it translated back not only to, to Washington and Cleveland, but to every school. Every school had to evaluate this. So what, what I've got to really say about Rose's ruling, because there's, there's two issues here. One is that she made the clear argument in, in her clear ruling that the Cambridge Central School Board, three board members, mind you, uh, that, that voted to, retire, uh, to, to reinstate the, the, uh, the mascot, that this board acted arbitrary and capriciously. I mean, that's what she said. She said she ruled that their decision to bring it back was an arbitrary and capricious decision. So that, that was easy. But then she went on to say, and let me see if I can find it here. I, I've got the ruling in front of me here. But, um, um, oh, yeah, here we go. Oh, I see that right away. Oh, here it is. What she said was that even if the respondent, meaning the board, respondent had not unreasonably changed its position, I would find that it abused its discretion by maintaining its name and logo. Commissioner Mills' position 
which continues to represent the view of the State Education Department, has been affirmed by subsequent academic and legal developments. For example, the petitioners um, submitted a 2020 literature review on the studies of Native American mascots by um, Laura R. Davis, and this was also um, uh, Stephanie Freiberg's work. Um, uh, in conducting this review, the authors examined all the academic research. So she, she goes on to say, cite the work of Stephanie Freiberg and others, but then she, she also goes on to, to talk about something that came just this year, at the beginning of 2021, which was the New York Association of School Psychologists in its statement on the rights of autonomy uh, in indigenous persons. Um, the NYASP, the New York Association of School Psychologists, um, explains that research studies have consistently shown that the use of mascots in indigenous symbols and imagery have a negative impact, not only to indigenous students, but on all students. Exposure to indigenous mascots has been shown to have many negative effects on indigenous individuals and indirect negative effects on non-indigenous people who view the mascot. Based on the abundance of research, as well as similar positions, uh, position statements of other professionals, the New York Association of School Psychologists opposes the use of indigenous images by educational entities due to the potential to perpetuate stereotypes and prejudices. New York Association of School Psychologists further opined that the continued use of such indigenous symbols, personalities, and stereotypes as mascots could violate the New York State Dignity for All Students Act. So this is what, what Commissioner Rosa cited in her ruling, that this isn't just about this, this school board retiring the mascot responsibly and then irresponsibly trying to bring it back. She, yeah, that, they, the respondents, the, uh, the petitioners, I should say, the, the, these families that, that filed this brief, they made that case. But the commissioner goes beyond that. She said, even if, they, even if you didn't retire and unretire it, just the idea of maintaining the mascot is an abuse of your discretion. So she, her final ruling is that they have to get rid of it. And they said it, it's got to be, it, they have to be finally done with it. They've got to have the mascot completely gone by, uh, by the end of the school year. You know, which is kind of consistent with her preliminary ruling that told them that to, to begin the process. She's saying, yeah, I told you in August to begin getting rid of it. By July of, of 2022, you must be done with it. Now, and she's not playing with these folks. She said she'll, she'll remove board members. She'll remove the superintendent if she needs to. She'll, uh, you know, she'll hold back funds. Now, keep in mind, schools like Cambridge get over 50% of their funding from the state. They don't have a strong tax base. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty low-income, high-poverty area. I mean, many of the kids, you know, were on free lunch programs and that kind of stuff. It is, it is not a high... Um, income, a high average uh, income uh, area. It, it, you know, and, but it's, it's a nice place. It's beautiful there. And, you know, outside of these really, you know, unignorable race issues, in general, it's, it's a pretty nice place. But, but she was clear. 
that even if they hadn't made an arbitrary and capricious decision to reinstate the mascot, she would have ruled uh, in favor of uh, ruled for the petitioners anyway. Because what they were doing is maintaining a mascot that they were asked to remove 20 years ago. So that's where I think is, is the crux of some of this issue for me. But because while Dr. Rosa stopped short in this ruling of calling for a statewide ban, she basically sh fired a shot across the bow of every school with a native mascot. So from Long Island to, you know, to, to Buffalo, <laughs> you know, uh, all across the state. What she's basically saying is that she has the authority, and, and she's demonstrating with Cambridge, she has the authority to, to force them to retire the mascot, which means she has the, the authority to force all schools to retire native mascots. My hope is that by the beginning of the, the year, you know, so coming out in January, that Dr. Rosa issues a me memorandum like Mills did 20 years ago, only this time do, do so more assertively. Schools have had 20 years to respond to Mills's ask to remove these mascots. Time's up. Your discretion has failed. If, you, if you're still maintaining a native mascot, Commissioner Rosa says, look, I, I, I can force you, and I'm going to force this school. So every school, and right in, in, that, in the area, now Cambridge is kind of in the capital district area, up near the Albany area, it's close to Vermont. There are, there's easily a dozen schools right around there that have names, everything from warriors to Indians to savages to Red Raiders, you know, you know all these ridiculous names. There's, there's actually two schools in New York State, um, it, one in the, uh, the, near the Utica area, Oriskany, and one in the, what is considered the southern tier down near um, uh, Hornell, down in that area, that still call themselves the Redskins. Now, a lot of these schools kind of have buried it. Even Cambridge, they don't, they don't say Indians on, the, on their jerseys anymore. But, man, they got the images plastered, plastered all over the school. But if you go on their websites, some of these schools, you'd be hard-pressed to know they still have a native mascot. So they, they kind of hide it a little bit. You can tell that they're embarrassed by it. But every school today in New York State that has a native mascot needs to re review this stuff. So in, in many ways, what Commissioner Rosa has done, she's invited every, fam you know, every school district, a family out of every school district, to submit a petition, which is kind of a nightmare scenario. I mean, look, there, there are over 100 schools in New York State which, that still have uh, native mascots. So if she is intentionally inviting petitions from 100 school districts, asking her to do the same uh, for, uh, to them as what she's done, done to Cambridge here, then that's just a tremendous backlog. But here's the other thing. She needs to let some of these boards of education off the hook. If Cambridge had done the right thing back last year, you know, or certainly you know, after a couple of months, after my formal request for them to get rid of the mascot, if they had just looked at the information and made their, uh, held a vote, they would have gotten rid of it you know, a year ago. But they, they were responding to the hostility from the community. And, and unless Dr. Rosa does more than just rules on Cambridge, unless she comes out and issues, and she has the authority to do so. You know, look, I, I know, look, I do know 
that there's some movement in the in the state legislature to um, create a uh, to to pass a law banning native mascots. But but it's not necessary. She already has the authority. She's demonstrating it here with Cambridge. And look, there, I know there are other states. There, you know, there's at least five, maybe a half dozen states that have um, passed laws prohibiting native mascots. Yeah, and look, one of the things that pleases me about this fight is that we're winning it. I'm not saying we're winning the fight against environmental degradation. I'm not sure that we're winning the fight over restorations of land. I'm not sure we're winning the fight even on missing and murdered indigenous women. But this one we're winning. And this relates to some of those things. It's nice to have a win. But it's also nice to take this issue and then cross it over. I mean, I, I, I cite the dichotomy between little white kids smearing their mom's makeup on their face because their school mascot is, is an Indian to Native kids being ripped from their homes, their families, their communities, and sent to prisons called residential schools where the policy was kill the Indian, save the man. I'm sorry. Anybody wants to tell me that their school adopted this Native mascot to honor us, it's just lying. You didn't. It had nothing to do with us. If you, if you cared, somebody would have spoken up about what Native kids were going through. So while little white kids could play Indian in school, and in fact, were instructed to, Native kids were beaten and killed because of who they were and because of the identity that they so desperately tried to cling to. Residential schools had graveyards. White schools didn't. There were no graveyards. In, there's no school graveyard in Cambridge. So... This issue allows me to talk about this. This issue, the fetishizing of, uh, of, native, uh, of native people, but even especially native girls, the, the, the cheerleaders and that kind of stuff, it contributes to the fact that native women experience rape and sexual um, molestation, uh, sexual abuse, at a rate that's three times higher than white people. I, I, I'm sorry, I, it's five times higher. One in three... Native person, one out of every three Native women will experience some form of sexual assault or harassment. One in three. Why is that? Well, it's because you fetishized Native people. You've created this, this image, you know, that, well, and you had help. You had folks like Disney sexualizing Pocahontas and, and, and so many. Other. You, you sell Pocahontas costumes in, uh, for Halloween. So, yeah, this is... This is all part of the problem. And some of it comes back to, to this mascot issue. So as we win this fight, and we are winning the fight, I'm going to use this to talk about some of the other issues as well. But I, I, I do call on Dr. Rosa, and I'm hoping she does it right at the, right at the beginning of the year. You know, it would have been nice if she, if she did it subsequent to this ruling, or right with this ruling. But this ruling lays the groundwork. The fact that she is saying that she would have ruled for these petitioners even if the school board hadn't removed and then reinstated the mascot, that's, that's, that's powerful. She's basically saying, if you are maintaining, and so she's saying this to all school boards, not just to Cambridge. If you are maintaining a native mascot, 
you are abusing the discretion of your school board. Now, Richard Mills, 20 years ago, hoped that school boards would use their discretion to remove these mascots in a practical manner. But many of them didn't. Many of them dug in. And in fact, Cambridge today is still digging in. So when I wear my Arians, Team Arians t-shirt, it's for places like Cambridge. Not for all the people. Look, I never made the argument that Cambridge was a racist community. Not when I went out there to, to, to ask for this change. But they've demonstrated plenty of racism. I know uh, there's still people out there saying, oh, no, we're not a racist community. Yeah, you, you kind of are. And, and it's being demonstrated. I mean, look, <laughs> beyond the Trump signs, <laughs> beyond you know, the, the right-wing hysteria over critical race theory, there's enough evidence to suggest that some of these upstate and small towns, uh, you know, in many states, even, even, the, <laughs> even the very blue states like New York, are, have racism deeply embedded into their fabric which is why Dr. Rosa has to make this one. I was never a fan of, of state mandates. I'm going to say, I mean, I was never a fan that, uh, you know, I was never one to suggest that this was the answer, was to outlaw native mascots. I thought enough pressure could be applied to, to convince schools to do the right thing. I thought if you, if you had an, a school board with even a modicum of, of integrity, they would, they would look at the evidence. They would look at the evidence and do the right thing, even if the population around them didn't support it. Yeah, I mean, look, in Lancaster, New York, when they dropped their Redskins logo, the next election, they, they, they voted in um, a pro-mascot uh, candidate, and th their plan was they were going to do it every year until they could swing the, uh, uh, swing the majority the other way. But they had a, you know, they had a bigger board. I, they had seven, I think they had seven people on their board. And so one election couldn't swing, you know, um, a, a unanimous decision or a near unanimous decision. But in Cambridge, where, where they had gone from four to one for changing it, down to three to one, and then ultimately three to two, you know, it, it made it very, it was easy to flip that board. It's a, a small, just a small board. But I was glad that, that Rosa cited these examples of a, of a school board election and then arbitrary and capricious decisions being made by this. Because they didn't cite anything. Like I said, they cited Naga and their assumption about the popular support of the, uh, of the mascot. And look, and I, I don't necessarily dispute that you know, that the, those white folks love calling themselves Indians. And the funny thing is, when I say that they're making, that they're mocking Native people, oh, no, it's not mockery. Well, look, <laughs> I know mockery has a negative connotation to it, but it's imitation. I mean, that's what mockery is. When you mock somebody, I mean, you are imitating them. So the idea of white people calling themselves Indians, saying that, oh, I'm going to be an Indian for my life or for, my, for the rest of my life. I'm a Cambridge Indian for life. And that's what they're saying. We are Indians. And look, if you went to a school where you were the Panthers, you know, or the Lions or the Bears or, or whatever else, you never 
take that identity to heart the way these schools that have native mascots do. You've got white people claiming to bleed Indian <laughs> and that they're going to be Indians for life and they're willing to fight and bleed and die to be an Indian. And they don't know the, I mean, the thing I'll say, tell you about Cambridge, they can't even tell you what Indians they claimed to be. They just use the most generic. In fact, for many, most of the, the years that they use this mascot, they, like other towns, had the Plains Indian headdress profile. They didn't even have a native logo that looked like the native people that might have lived in that area. And, and the one they have now is essentially internet clip art. There are dozens of schools up and down the East Coast that have the, the so-called Woodland Indian profile. It's the same logo. This wasn't theirs. Nobody, nobody crafted a, a specific look for their logo. And not to mention, the craziest part about Cambridge's logo is that it's white. I mean, it's a, their, their school colors are orange and black, but their logo is a white-faced Indian. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost too absurd to, you know, <laughs> to be real. But, yeah, so, so their logo is white-faced. So, anyway, we have this um, really stern um, and decisive ruling made by Dr. Betty Rosa, Commissioner of Education from New York State, that lays the foundation for her and the New York, uh, New York State Education Department to issue a ban. Now, like I said, I know that there are some politicians that have talked about um, legislating uh, this prohibition. But look, in today's politics, that's a freaking nightmare. I mean, even in places like New York State. The idea of waiting for politicians, you know, who are so concerned about their, you know, their votes being cast, and you know their their next election cycle. I mean, look, you you got some real right wingers. You know, even in Cambridge, that the the, uh, the congresswoman from that area is a staunch, I mean, over the top Trump supporter. This is the, this is the world that we live in. So I don't put any stock in state legislatures doing the right thing. But Do Dr. Betty Rosa, you know, as her name suggests, she you know she is not. A you know your classic white administrator, but hell, Richard Mills began the process. Shame on Nye said on New York State Department of Education for being silent for twenty years. Well, now the bear's been woken. Now Dr. Rosa has issued a strong ruling. Let's see if she follows it up. And look, this affects the entire state, and it and. And when a state like New York can issue such a ban, it will impact its neighbor, neighbor states. I mean, look, we know that there, there are other states have done it, including uh, in the East here. But you also have states like Pennsylvania. I mean, NPR just did a story about how Bucks County, you know, how they're playing out. Um, and this had more to do with, like, mask mandates and, and that kind of stuff you know, trying to load a school board up and this, this effort to, to take politics, right-wing politics, to the school board, board level. That's why state commissioners, education commissioners, and, you know, and, and Frank, and, and one of the things that I was really critical of during the Obama administration was, was um, 
the Secretary of Education, Arne Duncan, he failed miserably. He didn't issue a strong statement. And so, so here we are. Here we are with the overwhelming evidence that suggests Native mascots harm children, promote stereotypes, and they mock Native people's culture. The other thing that they do, and, and to be clear, is they cast us as relics of the past. There was a recent, and I say recent, it was like 2018, survey done where 40% of those polled and surveyed didn't know if Native people still existed. Well, why would they? Nobody ever mentions us as, as a living, breathing people. We're just put on display as mascots or, or portrayed in, in Hollywood movies and, you know, and, and, you know, cartoon image, images, Disney. There's no education about the fact that not only do we still exist, but we've existed all along. We predate the United States, <laughs> and I'll argue that we, uh, that we survive it, too. But 40% of Americans don't even know we still exist. Why? Many kids, the only education they get about Native people is the images on a, uh, uh, for a logo, a mascot. Cambridge doesn't teach about Native people. They, they never even teach the kids who the in indigenous people were of that area. That's why they're the, the, when you ask them, well, what Indians are you? They can't even tell you. And, and I mean, it's, it's like it's still a question mark. Well, and, and look, there's some reason for that to be, question to remain because Mohawks had a presence there. Mohegans had a presence there. You know, there are other native peoples, uh, Hurons and Pequots and um, Lenape that were in the, in the general area. It was, a, it was a, a busy area because of the Hudson River and the convergence of the Hudson River and Mohawk River, so many of the other waterways. But many of these schools don't ever distinguish. No, they're, they're going to use generic terms like Indians, which I can't stand the term. It's a Columbus mistake. So there we go. Hey, look, I want to thank you for joining me. Look. Reach out to Betty Rosa. Suggest that she issue a statewide ban. I appreciate it. This is John Kane. Thanks for listening. Yahweh. No